carry, but ice cream kills me. But yeah, so I end up sitting on the toilet all night. That is the craziest. Okay, so uh, this is DJ Chuang. I'm here with two mystery guests. And uh, we're just rambling here at Starbucks. And this is the official post-game show of the uh, Cultivate Conference 2001 edition in Huntington Beach. And uh, the weather has cleared up for us, and uh, the drizzle from the morning has blown away, and it is a beautiful afternoon. And uh, you're probably hearing a lot of background noise because we're in the midst of the most posh Starbucks I've ever been in. I have been in many of them. There are curtains here. And, there are uh, curtains. A nice round room, which is pretty nice. I don't know how many outlets they have, so I'm not sure how co-working friendly it is. I don't see any from the vantage point of where I'm sitting, and I have no idea how well this is recording. But, um, there are actually three of us around this little iPad, and uh, we have a face for radio, so we decided to go with audio <laughs> podcast. And, uh, and uh, well, our mystery guests, if you are able to guess their names and be the first to tweet it out, we will get you a special prize. And what's our special prize today? You have something to give away? David. Oh, you have a book. Um, I published. can give away a copy of a Scott Williams's book about church diversity as soon as it arrives. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I, I did get a review copy, and they've been, uh, or at least the copy I got was uh, a Kindle version, So, which I thought was brilliant. Instead of yeah. mailing a printed edition, you can get a review copy instantly. Good idea. And uh, Kindle readers are available on iPads, iPhones, desktops, and Android the actual phones. Android, and even on the actual Kindle device itself. I'm not sure if it would work on the uh, BNN uh, Nook. Yeah. That would be an interesting yeah. piece if they did that. Um, so we, we're just rambling. We don't have a particular topic in mind, although one of the mystery guests, the mystery guest to my right, <laughs> And there's a mystery guest across from me. That's how I shall identify them, rather than bachelor number one or bachelor number two. Since which, both uh, of us are married. Since, yeah, that since would both be a little awkward. Are, yeah. So, um, one of us. Do, do you want to mention what we were just talking about? Being lactose intolerant? Lactose intolerant. No, That's I right. Think we'll, we were talking I think about we'll skip food that topic. <laughs> and lactose intolerance. Would you like any drink? I'm going to go up and get me a drink. And then uh, if you could cover the dead air. Sure thing. So I don't have to copy, uh, so I don't have to edit as much. That there would be very nice. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm actually good. I do have a drink. It's interesting. You know what I learned at this conference? Mystery number guest number two, would you like something to drink on me? I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> two, two out of three is not bad. There you go. There you go. I, I learned that Phil Cook actually has a book out. I'm not sure if you knew that. I saw it today. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. His slide presentation actually had his book in the corner for every slide, okay. and then uh, and then he, he also mentioned he answered every question with "Well, in my book, I," and and then proceeded to give really and good answers. Cited chapter and verse. Yeah, kind of like the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, Phil Cook is is definitely a good good at selling his books, yeah, and he has quite the reputation for being a promoter. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was uh, I was talking to someone else, and they had mentioned that. Um, they watched some hour-long show that he had done, and it was literally like a, uh, like a, a book, a book, a book promotion. Infomercial. Yeah, infomercial. But it was supposed to be some like cutting edge, you know, edutainment. Yeah. It was just funny because it, yeah, 
he's he's a good guy, but he's definitely very good. But a lot of major speakers are that way anyway. I mean, you know, if you've ever seen uh, Guy Kawasaki, he he literally takes you chapter by chapter through his book. Those are the bullet points as each the name. Chatted. Yeah, each name of the chapter is basically a bullet point on a slide presentation. So it's a pretty. I thought you were getting caught. I agree. Yeah, yeah watch the way I answer you. You, 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 left air, you, you left me hanging. You left me hanging. You said you're lactose intolerance, but that doesn't mean a yes or a no on whether I can get your drink or not. Coffee. Iced no, coffee. No cream or anything. No nothing. Yes, that would be naked. naked. That would be perfect. Naked coffee. Naked Thank you, host <laughs> of the mystery, <laughs> mystery show. Mystery show, whatever it is. Well, you... What do you think about self-promotion, and how, how do you find that? Actually, I think that's a good topic. How do you find the balance between self-promotion and, and the adequate amount of promotion, I guess, to, uh, to bring, you know, to, to allow yourself to continue to have the influence necessary to make change or affect change? I've kind of gotten away from the whole self-promotion thing, so... I'm probably not a good person to ask that question. Well, I would still love to hear your perspective. Because my perspective is I'm not a big fan of self-promotion. Okay. I think it creates a lot of noise, and it, uh... It tends to reveal agendas that I think people are averse to these days because they get so much of it and that there's almost an expectation in order to connect that there's going to be self-promotion that has been dealt with. What about you, DJ? How do you how do you uh, how do you think uh, we ought navigate the balance between self promotion and and gaining the proper level of influence to to affect the change that we look to seek, whether that's as a nonprofit or as a business or as a church or whatever the case may be? Well, that's like a deja vu uh, for me because I just blogged about it last week, and so I if you would go to djchuang.com, you can read my thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> You mean like what he's Did doing already? I, yeah, I love how I weave all that together, yeah. kind of like a Seinfeld episode. I, I actually spend queuing together. you up for some yeah. self-promotion. I, I actually do spend quite a bit of time on djtruong.com because I gain so much useful information there. So, um, As opposed going. to being on Mystery Guest number two's website because there's no self-promotion there. Actually, both, both of them do have their own dot-coms as well. So uh, since we're recording this podcast and it won't be uploaded until after, you won't be able to tweet in and identify the mystery guest while we're on the show. So it would have to happen after the show. So we we'll have to announce the winner in a separate episode or there you go. on the tweet. Or on the next episode. Maybe have a press conference and a webcast there you to go. There you go. really drum it up. Yeah. Well, that's... Because uh, I mean, some thing, of the guys right? around this table are kind of camera shy. Again, we have a face for radio. It's actually the new big thing, right? Is the uh, press conference for any announcement you might have. Yeah. No matter how mundane or silly. At the poshest Starbucks you've ever been at. (laughs) Well, hey, we have some new guests. Just so you know, you're being recorded. Hi, David Tone. Nice to meet you. You're being being recorded. Disclaimer is you're being recorded. Mind if I steal your chair? We're doing a live, um, or not live, we're doing a... uh, audio podcast. Excellent. That's all. And I happen to be... Okay, you're going to hear a little uh, clattering here because... Um, well, you're going to hear a lot of background noise because we're just using a raw <laughs> iPad uh, voice 
memo recording app. And uh, I'm honored to be sitting here with mystery guest number three and mystery guest number four. Um, they, they may self-identify well, themselves. Well, they actually identified they, themselves because they introduced themselves right. when they walked up. Oh, okay. So, so if you've heard that, you... you I might have said my name, too, actually. <laughs> That might have ruined the whole mystery guest thing. Nothing's a mystery anymore. <laughs> and it's international and, and, and our accents being, wouldn't give us away at all. True, right. true. Well, you're not, you're not the only educated. people with accents in in the country, though. That's right. Oh, we've all got accents. Ours would be stronger than yours. That's right. So we're just rambling about whatever. It's just a uh, post-game tweet-up after Cultivate 2011. And uh, we're just inviting you on the podcast to listen in. Yeah. There's no um, topic or interviewer or um, you don't have to text in your questions <laughs> or, or uh, tweet it. You can talk. We're, we're going to make this conversational. Yeah. All right. I would like to hear what your actual thoughts are. We, we started talking about Phil Cook's kind of pretty kind of obvious self-promotional strategies in, in the context of yeah. – he's still – Adds value to the conversation, I think. But oh, yeah. but there's but there's there's a lot of well in my book I say yeah. in my book I it's say it's a book talk. Come yeah. on, let's be honest. And he's got the and he's got the little picture of the book in the corner of yeah. his whole slide deck. Yeah. So we were talking about the right balance of you know self promotion and influence gaming too. And I don't mind um, self promotion. Um, and uh, you know his content's brilliant. You know, um, let's face it. And you know I, I particularly like to pull strategy about actually talking faster than you could ever possibly type. And so you've got to buy the book in the first place to actually get the content. He was just, you know, a million miles an hour. But his his primary concept of the fact that you've got to be able to change uh, and be able to change the message and be adaptable was just a a great idea. Uh, Even if it comes in a book, you know, that's cool. Uh, I get that. But for me, I think it's more about the... The idea, his central idea, which was very strong, yeah. uh, and I'd just be interested to know, as as a church, you know, how adaptable churches are to change, because churches actually are very slow to change uh, in most areas, even in the new areas of social media and uh, Facebook and websites, and even just listening to the other topics of mobile. You know, I've thought about mobile for our church. Um, now it's a year ago, mm-hmm. and now the game's changed in a year. Yeah. Yeah. And things are changing so fast, I'm not sh- sure how churches will even make that first step because uh, the technology cycle is six months. So the thing you buy off the Apple Store shelf or order online, six months later, you can't even buy the thing. And so that's how fast our world is changing around us, and churches don't make decisions for years. So we're behind and more behind as time goes on. So as I was observing, um, I don't remember the speaker's name. Who was it? Who was talking about mobile? Richard King. Richard and myself. Yeah. No, wait, you're on that panel. Yeah. Um, this is Mr. Guest number one. In case you got mixed up with the voices. Uh, just one of the things I observed is, like my, the structurally, our organisational budget will never match the pace of change. Yeah. We work on a yearly budget. Mm, So we're always going to be behind the game. It's an interesting way of looking at it because it reflects something I've noticed in some organizations that I've worked with and not in others is how specific the line items are in the budget. 
you know, if you've got a if you've got a budget for let's say web you know web outreach say for since I know most of you guys because of the nature of the conference are here for church backgrounds if you're if it's for web outreach then why can't you invest in new technology you've got that but if the budget is for you know is for a specific CMS let's say and then that CMS becomes outdated you know or if you if you make your budget then it says you know it's for Microsoft front page in 2003 their last year of existence yeah. well suddenly you've shot yourself in the foot because now you can't even buy that software and it was terrible software to begin with for the record but <laughs> thank you but um you know that's not to say that there's no there's no place that you can you know there's no way that you can keep that room open but a lot of times when we do get so specific with our budgets because we because within the context, and this is something DJ is really passionate about, but within the context of the church, there's not a lot of room for ambiguity. Um, we like our tight, easy, simple answers. And so if you say we've got a, a general web budget as opposed to a, uh, a general, um, you know, as opposed to a specific budget, people are going to be upset by that. And that's, um, you know, and that, that might be to the detriment of, of the organizations that are looking at things that way. I understand donor accountability, and I would never, be, because I work with big nonprofits, so I know that's a very important. We don't want to encourage people to be, to be overly, you know, overly frivolous with their money, but at the same time, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't, if, if Google can say 20% of their, of their time resources are going to be dedicated to, to pursuing new ideas, we, we could probably say that we're going to allocate 5% of our budget or 1% of our budget within the context to exploring what's next on the horizon. That's that's my two cents. But I, yeah. and, and working with large nonprofits, have you seen any nonprofit that's willing to dedicate a portion of their budget for R&D? Not to R&D because that's too ambiguous. But, but what, that's the whole point, exploring new ideas I, and developing them. I do understand what you're saying, but that's too ambiguous for... I. Oh, no, I don't have this one. Um, they, what they do, what the organizations that I've been willing to is within their outreach budget, um, usually they have a line item for, you know, marketing, promotions, and outreach, or something like that, and within that context, there's a ton of flexibility, so they can pursue new ideas, and they create those intentional buckets that are in a general space, and so within that context, I can say, well, let's try this, let's try that, but it has to be within the right department and within so they can't just pursue any new crazy idea just for the heck of it but but at the same time they do leave some the the smart organizations the organizations who bring a guy like me in in the first place so the ambiguity is uh inside the line item rather than above it yeah okay yeah still ambiguous yeah there's 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 an yeah there's an ambiguous category within marketing that's just a marketing line item okay that's because i'm getting blank stares across the table so it's ambiguous i'm I'm waiting yeah uh, so in Australia, uh, when you said marketing budgets, we don't have a marketing budget. I'm, I'm working at just six thousand people. So wow. you think? So you think marketing budget? We don't have a marketing well, budget. But you have a communications budget. We do now, but everything I'm doing is breaking new ground in terms of um, opening up the conversation to say we actually need to spend money in this area. Mm. You can't afford not to. Uh, so to to put on the table a mobile budget, which I did this year is actually a whole new paradigm for uh, both inside the church and, um, you know, they're going, but we've already got a website, what's what's this? So there's a lot of education yeah. that goes on in terms of actually creating a budget yeah. uh, where there's actually nothing. That's nothing, crazy. Which is, you know, just the reality. Like, but, I think what you see is that 
some of the larger churches, maybe in North America, will get the idea that they need to have a communications budget. But I think it all depends on the size of the organization. Like there's a lot of churches, as they're smaller, they don't even, they would never have a line item in their budget for for communication. They, at least the ones I'm coming across. Maybe that's a Canadian thing. I don't know. But at the same point, though, there's still a lot of churches that do it traditionally how it was done 20, 30 years ago, where they come up with a marketing budget and it's basically postcards yeah. that get sent out, or they go around and they collect email addresses and they still do email. Yeah, I see, I see a lot of traditional churches that have a church sign. Yeah. That costs a pretty penny. Yeah, that's yeah. 20 grand. Yeah. yeah. 20 grand? For big signs out front of the church? Yeah. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Because wow. mystery guest number that's one a... used to be involved in outdoor signs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not I, know I, that. I used to actually, yeah, not those specific signs, I but I did used to do outdoor outdoor media. That Billboards? was actually. Huh? Billboards? Yeah, something along signs? those lines. Yeah. Um, bill, billboards on highways that were focused on um, the green programs in different states. Usually adopt a highway or sponsor a highway. Oh, fascinating. Like as well as I've on seen the some beaches. of those signs. Yeah, they're fairly popular things. across the country, and a good deal of them are actually done by outside contractors who are employed by us, and so we did this. We put up the signs and sold the contract to clean the area hmm. in another life. And they work. Huh? They work. Yeah, we. I mean, if you're looking at cost per impression, they're incredible, and then they they are great in helping to craft a great image of you know, be caring about the community, all that type of stuff. I was surprised that I was surprised more churches didn't do it because, you know, churches love to look like they care about the community, but not actually. And it's a great way to do that because you get a sign that says you're keeping the area clean without ever having to lift a finger. So it's a great way to appear as though you're helping the community. And in a way, it does. It's just and not. And you enough. get your church name out there. Yeah, too. and you get your church name out there, which is isn't church really all about branding? Ooh, open uh, silence uh, over the podcast. <laughs> we we just done some research, and ten percent of our church congregation came to our church because of the church the church sign outside of our church. That's a lot of people yeah. for for a twenty thousand yeah. dollar investment. Yeah. So it's actually it's actually a very good investment. Yeah, we you get a hundred thousand. You guys should put that thing another hundred feet in the air. <laughs> well, as you're talking, we're creating a ten meter by three meter billboard, getting that through council. But hundred thousand cars every day drive past our church. Yeah, it's hundred thousand impressions. Mm-hmm. So it's it's right. a great yeah. investment, mm-hmm. and so it, and it is even in Australia, it's a more obvious traditional way of um, communicating. Yeah. People are used to that. Yeah. Uh, and the barriers are lower to actually getting something yeah. like that up within the church because yeah. people are used to a church sign. Yeah. That's a yeah. whole other conversation, church signs. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not something I would have put much thought into. I just thought it was kind of you know, what, what you had out front if your church has been around for a while. Because so. at one time it was actually the one of the simplest and cheapest ways to communicate. Now it's actually quite expensive compared to, you know, for a, for a smaller, medium-sized church, it's probably a lot less than 20 grand to get up a website in most cases. Yeah, and I guess it still all depends, too, on what the traffic flow is that you have by the location yeah. that you're in, because yeah. if you're on, on a side street, yeah. the investment in the sign is going to have a lot less value yeah. than if you're on a main street with yeah. thousands of cars passing by, yeah. which is what your situation is. Yeah. So you have lots of eye capture whereas for example the church that I'm with we're a small church and we meet in a high school we yeah. have no sign yeah. which is an even big you know that creates a whole other dynamic yeah. which, no visibility yeah. at all 
You have one of them little banners you put up on. Uh, you we know, we have a little sandwich like, board night, right? sign, a little sandwich yeah. board sign that goes up Sunday mornings, yeah. and it's amazing that that does draw people. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not one of our number yeah. one draws. Yeah. Of course. Um, an interesting question that we were just talking about right before everyone stepped in was just that promote self promotion. Um, you mean I'd just before hear... everybody handed out their business cards? <laughs> <laughs> right before, we, right before we all <laughs> see the lack cards. of my business card. <laughs> but I wanted to hear um, your thoughts on that as well. On self promotion, finding finding the balance because obviously to gain influence at a certain level, if you have good ideas and you want to get them out to the public, there's a certain amount where you have to get more well known right. to get bigger and bigger platforms or right. bigger and bigger stages to right. share those ideas with. At the same time, you can come across as the uh, self-promotional uh, church podcast, let's see, self-promotional jerk. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what would you say to that? Well, kind of as the balance, or how do you... I, I guess it's all with, with... It all depends on the spirit with which you do it. Um, I am a shameless, a shameless self-promoter. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's all in how you do it. I think there's there's one thing to make yourself known and and to do it repeatedly and sort of completely selfishly, selfishly. But if you do it selflessly and and you're trying to do it so that you can use the wisdom that you have to help the person or persons you're trying to promote to, if it's more about them than it is about you, then yeah, you are promoting yourself but you're doing it with a different agenda than you are if you're doing it just solely when it's all about me and all for my game. What do you think of that? So and the difference is the agenda, which is just It's still the to same you. agenda, though. It's still getting your word out, however you want to package it. It's got your name attached to it, yeah. and it ultimately comes back to you, and it allows you a, a larger platform to then share that with other people. Right. So in essence, I see it, the agenda is the same. It's, it's still basically self-promotion, even if your content is wrapped behind the premise of helping other people. So, so the context of this came from where? Like, are you saying self-promotion is bad, or are you just saying... The context just, for me was we were joking and laughing about Phil Cook, because right. because his is so obvious, it's, right. it's, it's, it, it's laughable. You know, he answers every question with, well, in my book I say. Like, every question you ask him, he follows up with, well, in my book I say, you know. And so it was, it's, it's, it's humorous. Right. Like, because it's, it, he comes across as, uh, I can't use the normal example with Dave present that I was going to use. So he comes across as an insurance salesman at times. It's not as me. authentic. Yeah. Um, and so in that context, I think that's why it's so funny. He comes across as an insurance salesman, not a car salesman, an insurance salesman. You come across as a salesman. I think for me, um, we don't use mailers. We don't use any any real form of promotion. Uh, not necessarily just because it's not effective in Australia. Uh, it's partly cost. Uh, but what we find is the best form of promotion is actually do helping people, like, like literally being out there. Uh, the word of mouth that spreads from that and the reputation that spreads from that is just the best form of marketing, if you like. Um, you're not doing it with that agenda, but it opens doors into schools, into councils, because they've heard of who you are. Um, and, you know, even in, even in the media uh, in Australia, churches are... Uh, are embraced if they're doing 
stuff that is good. Yeah. Uh, if they're pushing a, even a, a, a message about anything funky, uh, any funky sermon series, they'll never get in the media. And, and yeah. it doesn't work, unless you're talking about sex, maybe. But if you're doing good stuff, then you're actually you're, uh, enhancing your brand, if you like, by actually just fulfilling the Great Commission. So, uh, yeah. is, there, is there a difference, though, between shameless self-promotion of an organization like a church versus shameless self-promotion of an individual? At some level, at least, there is. I mean, even in just, you know, how you do it. <laughs> yeah, the boundaries are different. And uh, organizations are, uh, particularly churches, are risk-averse. So they definitely hold back a lot more than the shameless uh, personal promoters. But I'd be curious um, to kind of um, adjust the topic a little bit. Um, you're in Australia, you're in Canada, and we're here in the U.S. In the U.S., you're looking at a society that's maybe 40% church. What's it like in Canada and what's it like in Australia to be a church and to help people uh, engage or understand what the church and the gospel is about? So in Australia, um, on the census data, there's 25% of people call themselves Christians, oh. um, which is surprisingly high. Uh, on the National Church Life Survey data, which is what uh, surveys the churches do, 3% of people attend church. Wow. So we're significantly, if you're talking in that model, sure. if that's the same understanding, wow. uh, we have a very low uh, understanding of what attending church means. And the ballpark number in Canada? Uh, I, I would say on the census data, it's probably similar sort of numbers of yeah. people that, who identify themselves as Christian. Sure, sure. Uh, it's definitely below 10% of actual church attendance. Yeah. Uh, so I would say in Canada, there's a real... We were having this conversation the other day in a session that Steve was doing, which was that in Canada, the church has a perspective or people have a perspective of the church as being irrelevant mm. to their to their life and their culture and so there's it's not that they're not spiritually sensitive or interested they're just not interested in church or religion yeah yeah which is i think different than some of the atmosphere here in the states depending on the state or the region of the country would you agree yeah in the states it comes across particularly in the bible belt it's just yeah. part of your lifestyle yeah it's your social center. Right. And so it's much more culturally acceptable, but that also lessens the uh, level of discipleship. So I'll give you a really good example of difference in culture. Um, I had a friend who moved over here to Irvine, and uh, she doesn't go to church, not a Christian. She called us up one day and said, Steve, what's going on? I'm surrounded by Christians. All my neighbors go to church. What's the deal with that? Which is the complete opposite in Australia where oh, yeah, yeah. no one goes to church. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, so she saw that complete flip yes, yes, in the yes. culture. But I think wow. there's also a difference between going to church and being a committed Christ follower. Sure. I mean, and maybe that's a little bit of the difference is you can be going to church but not necessarily embed spiritual principles and be maturing in the discipleship process as a growing believer if your church isn't I don't know equipping you in that respect because we have the same thing in Canada there's not most people do not go to church and so there's there's still 
Christians, and there still are lots of churches, but not nearly to the proliferation that there is here in the U.S. Right. It's good thoughts, eh? It's much more getting into like pastors and stuff like that. Yeah. In terms of yeah, but I, but I think it's also central in terms of communications and understanding what the, the landscape is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you know you're in hostile territory, yeah. uh, it alters the way you communicate. Yeah. So it alters the way you what your entry points are into yeah. that environment. Yeah. If you know that you've got a pretty friendly environment that you can walk into yeah. or communicate into, send out postcards, send out mm-hmm. traditional communications yeah. channels. If you know you've got a hostile environment, you've got to be um, more um, savvy in terms of where, how you choose to enter into that space, and uh, and that's not putting down the you know regions like this. It's just the reality that we live in, and um, so it's it's just a different approach for a different place. I don't work with yeah. churches at all, so yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. That's down that. But it's but the same. You're, it's you're the one same of those church attenders, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I I want to be communicated to through easy to use tools. So I'd, I'd much rather get everything digitally because that's where I spend most of my time. So, but uh, that's cool. yeah, that's an interesting. I'm gonna wrap up my recording. I don't know if you want to continue yours. I may go for another minute or two. Okay. If you guys are up for it. Sure. Go ahead. Throw a question on the table. Uh, okay, here's here's a question because we were just talking about postcards. I had lunch with 